0: Hi guys, welcome to the alternative podcast today. We've got Birch driver. He's got his own podcast called the green Knight. We'll leave all the details in the description. Um, so uh, Birch, sorry, what, um, where did you initially start this journey? What got you into the podcasting space?
1: Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, a lot of people ask a similar question, uh, is like, what was your moment, you know, uh, your aha or your wake up, you know, and for me, it's, you know, I, I said on my last interview that I basically was born <laughs> that way, like born kind of feeling like a freak on the periphery on the outside, you know, and then was, I had to deal with uh, that, you know, throughout my life, you know, always feeling different and also on um, this sense that I was being excluded, like, you know, so I had to master this victim mentality to overcome it, you know. And so that, you know, being on the periphery gives you a different kind of viewpoint. It allows you to see things as they are instead of like, um, you know, can't see the forest because the trees, you know, that aspect. So I've always been that kind of way. And uh, <clears throat> uh when I was 15, I kind of had a wake-up moment. But you know, you wake up, uh, there's you know you can't pitch your tent right so you always there's always another plateau to ascend right and so that's what my mission has been as far as starting podcasting you know i was listening pretty heavily over the last five years and previous to that i went to school in la uh for industrial design and back in early 2000s there was a thing called kpfk in la and this is a public radio and uh, I used to listen to that religiously. And and on KPFK, you have uh, the left, hard left and hard right coming on right after each other, you know? And so I started to realize back then 20 years ago that uh, that uh, um, this polarity is a uh, uh, unity in disguise, right? Is, is that one side defines the other, you know? And they can't exist without each other and so it's like if if someone's opposition would suddenly disappear then they would find themselves hard pressed to identify themselves you know what i mean (laughs) and it's like i'm against this this is how i am this is what i do i'm against this but when you realize that it's a polar relationship right and so i made that realization back listening to kpfk and you know um Uh, listening to the real lefties and then immediately after um, one of these hard right guys like Limbaugh, you know, and so you get to see the contrast and recognize that they're just playing off of each other, right? two, two wings on the same bird. And uh, but as far as podcasting goes, like I just had this uh, idea that it's possible to um, come out of this kind of like downward spiral that our civilization seems to be in. And uh, I came at it from the idea of manufacturing because I was in industrial design. And so I was like, how do we fix manufacturing? And once you go down that rabbit hole, you realize that there's symptoms, our society has all these symptoms that stem from one problem. And this is what I've discovered. And so if you can identify the problem, then you're halfway to the solution.
2: Yeah, yeah. What did you do in manufacturing to sort of start? Well, that's where you sort of started to try and make change what did what was it
1: exactly that you did there um well it started to develop a um a philosophy of what it really is like what value is you know and value uh comes from people living right and we live by exchange we don't individually some of us do but we don't individually interface with the environment we interface as a collective you know and so what we do is we uh, exchange value with each other, and that value is largely centered around manufacturing about around the objects that we make, because we are all specialists, you know. And so we all fit into this larger structure that is uh, creating output, right? that we all value, you know. And so I was like, if we really want to make an adjustment to uh, our uh, civilization, right? We have to understand our real motivations, right? And our original motivations, our natural motivations, is what we're told is, is that um we must survive, right? But what we're built to do is to live, <laughs> you know. So why would you must survive when you're already living? It's like a double bind. And uh <clears throat> So we exchange, right? We exchange, that's how we live, right? We exchange value with each other to live. And largely this value comes from the things that we make, like we're creative individuals, all of us together. But as a collective, right, we operate as a one unit because uh, we all need each other to survive, right? Does Mm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was like, okay, manufacturing is the problem, right? And... This is, uh, um, you know, the extreme waste and you know, all the stuff. Uh, the ownership of all of the uh, sources of value by a very few percentage of the population, right? When really we're all built to create value, you know. And so we've been removed from our own nature, which is to be creative, and and we've kind of forgotten that we are creative and instead we just consume and the feedback that we give the designers of our culture right because it's not everyone the only way we design our culture at the moment is the masses consume right and that information is taken by the manufacturers and the corporations in order to improve products right (laughs) right but uh um really it's uh our nature to create right each of us has these individual gifts right we're all unicorns we all have these gifts right that are made to be of value to others right what are our gifts if not for other people right and so this is where i was coming at it but uh once you it's like i'm going to fix manufacturing and redistribute the sources of value you know equally across the globe all this stuff minimize waste right uh, remove all of these things and what you find out is that any new organization, this is what I found out is any new organization that we try to create will not be sustainable if we maintain our current psychological state and so I was like we have to make a psychological transformation in order to create a new organization right? that will not be corrupted that will not be stratified and and pyramidized you know what I mean Yeah, I
2: can't help but think about when you're describing what you are about Apple, because they, the masses all go for Apple devices, Apple phones, they're the pioneers of creativity and innovation and everything that every sort of creative word you can come up with. But everyone that goes for them devices are sort of, a lot of the people are stuck in jobs where they're not creative at all, very repetitive jobs, and even like just thinking about it a little bit deeper, the people who actually create the iPhones, the, the factories they get taken um, outsourced out to, they're not even being created because they're probably going to have a script of this is how you assemble it. Now assemble a hundred a day. See you later. That's not creative at all. That's like the
1: yeah, and it's soul killing, right? Because it it puts you in this uh, uh, you know on an assembly line, right? And this is not our nature to be like this, we flow in and out, right? We don't just ride a line, you know, perpetually doing the same thing constantly over and over. Right, and so it's like, if we wonder why we don't feel fulfilled, right? Is this, most of us are just doing this thing uh, in order so that we must survive, right? (laughs) Right, and I, I, talking about like that aspect about um, this motivation right that we have and what is motivation right i mean it's like a cause and effect right it's like this recognition that you are this individual separate from everything else and that you are gonna make these take these actions that will create an effect right but uh what i would love to talk about with you guys today is this idea of polarity Right. Have you guys uh, uh, looked into this polarity aspect much? Yeah, so one of the things I I, uh, I had a big realization while I was doing the podcast is I was looking at the hermetic principles. Right? And so we have to look at this information without any blinders or goggles or, uh, you know, um, Um, preconceived notions about this, the hermetic principles. And when you look at the hermetic principles, you realize that it's the same information that Hinduism, uh, Taoism, Buddhism, and Zen Buddhism are imparting, right? And so it's like seven principles, right? And um, just going through them quickly, it's like the principle of mentalism, right? It's the first principle, which suggests that the entirety of of everything is mental. Right. Um, and so the whole thing, like so. If we we're gonna think of what where we live as a simulation, then the programmer is not separate from the program, it is the program, right? If we think about it in that way, consciousness is everything, right? And so the second principle is the principle of uh everything is vibration, right? Everything is vibration, and so our five senses, right? Um our known senses are all receptive to um, uh, perceiving uh, some type of vibration, right? So hearing, right, sight and touch, right? These are all sensing vibration, right? Which is frequency. And and so this is suggesting also that everything is frequency, right? And that we get this from different uh, disciplines, such as quantum mechanics and various ways is that we recognize that everything is actually just energy and information, right? in the form of waves right and we kind of lose sight of it because we have this illusion of solidity and separateness but if we look at uh, the properties of waves we can understand polarity um, and uh, polar relationships right so quickly a polar relationship is uh, um, what are seemingly opposites require each other to be defined right so an easy one is light and dark right we wouldn't be able to comprehend what light is without the contrasting dark, right? And so they're undefinable by themselves. As a monopole, they're undefinable. So they are polar relationship that requires both sides in order to be defined. So it's like unity in disguise, right? And so we recognize that uh, waves have this property, right? So if everything is frequency, waves have this property, this property of polarity, which is that in every wave there's a peak and a trough, right? And you can't have a wave without those two things. And so the peak and the trough is what actually defines the wave. So we can understand polarity in this way. And so polar relationships have these features, which is that they require each other to be defined, right? If you remove one, the other has no meaning, right? Does this make sense? And the other thing is is that uh, they uh, um, arrive mutually right, so all polar relationships, um, both poles arrive uh, at the same time, you know, does this make sense?
2: Yeah, because you could look at it from the example of uh, male and female, right?
1: Yes, exactly, and so that's one of, that's the seventh principle, which is the principle of gender, right, okay, and so so vibration uh, uh, correspondence, which is as above so below, we've all heard this, right, which is that the patterns you can think about as macro and micro that that we see the same patterns on the macro scale as a micro scale. and there's all kinds of other ways that this um, we can recognize this uh, as above so below aspect, right? But that's one way to look at it um but the the principle of polarity, right? Um, and the principle of cause and effect <laughs> um, these are the uh, fourth and the fifth principle and so we were just discussing polarity and then we recognize that all of the principles really um, independent of the first one and the principle of correspondence are um, polar relationships there, right? So male and female, right? You can't define one without the other, that's a polar, polar relationship. And so this cause and effect one is what is what really, this is the one that I've really gotten into recently is to understand this aspect, right? Which is cause and effect is a linear progression of time right uh create a cause get an effect right but this is a polar relationship (laughs) right cause and effect are not divisible right you cannot have a cause without an effect and vice versa right so they define each other and so the other defining aspect of a polar relationship is that they arrive mutually, right and so this basically says that time is an illusion right that um, cause and effect arrive at the same time. <laughs> so they're really this illusion is is just an artifact of having an um, a an awareness, right in the spectrum of the totality that is the physical part, right <laughs> Right? And so when you start to think about this, you're like, okay, then that's why they say that all time exists at once, right all eventualities exist at the same time.
2: <laughs> yeah, would you say it's similar to, um, I was watching something the other day and it was measuring the pyramids um, in a certain metric, but then then metrics didn't exist back in the Egyptian times. So how would they have been able to do, but would you put time in that same category as it's just another metric that we've just labeled something Which doesn't actually exist, the same thing, the same way we measure anything. Centimeters and millimeters don't actually exist.
1: Yeah, and if you think about it like this, there really are no events, because an event is a cause and then an effect, right? That happens at a time and a place, right? But if a cause and effect arrive mutually, then there can be no events. (laughs) So we think about time as these higher dimensional aspects of the totality, right? Um the uh all we can't think about it in the same way if we go up a dimension right like a hyper dimensional uh sphere right an extra dimensional sphere it's impossible to consider it because we are a 3d um consciousness it's not impossible it's just that when we try to conceptualize it we are unable to and we have to dance around it you know and so and that's what i would say in this discussion is that's what i like to say is that we are using conception to talk about the unfathomable, <laughs> right? And so we recognize that it's, that it is uh, a trap, right? Because we can't conceive, right? The whole, what I'm trying to get at is, is, let's begin with the end in mind, is that the solution, right? Where our civilization proliferates and moves into the future, right? Um, Is, <clears throat> is, uh, um, hinged hinged upon the uh, our ability to um, um, remove our conception of things, you know, which is to see without any uh, human um, evaluation of it. Right? So, like, and so the objective is that's how we um, allow civilization to proliferate because the alternative is a dead end right? It's a repeating cycle that has a limit, right? And this is the cycle that we're on at the moment, right? And so we can break this cycle. And so that that's what I, this is what I'm trying to conceptualize is how we break this cycle. And so beginning with the end in mind is we break it by um, becoming, uh, recognizing that we don't exist, <laughs> right? That we don't exist separate from the total, right? So all of our ideas about what it means to be uh, an individual right uh are false and so understanding this cause and effect aspect right that all polarity comes in um at the same time right is we recognize that time is an illusion and that things are an illusion right because it, a thing and no thing this is what i was trying to get at no thing nothing and thing are a polar relationship <laughs> Right. How do you define a thing without a space for it to be in, you know, you know what I mean? And what is a space? Right. How do you recognize emptiness without something there as not empty, you know? And so we see this as a polar relationship, so it can't be escaped. So we have to recognize that we don't exist right. Separate from the total. We are just a thing that the whole thing is doing. You know? Yeah, just
2: part of the the process. Uh, so, when you say um, about materials being sort of, I, I don't know how to phrase what I'm going to say. This is like mind blowing, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but the the way I'm looking at it is um, materials like I've got an iPad right here. Um, Everyone's always thinking I need more materials. That's how I progress through life. I need to get a bigger TV, I need to get a faster car, I need to get a upgraded phone because every year a new phone comes out, um, which isn't even that much of an improvement, but everyone seems to think it is. What is that like the turn of civilization that's the, the way we've sort of adapted to technology in the wrong way, so to speak, because we're, we're looking at it through the wrong lens
1: yeah um so the things that i'm saying and i'm no um like i don't claim anything i don't claim to know it's like this is how it seems to me when i think about it and and i'm referencing all of these uh, older thinkers you know from the past and people from the from the present so it's not me It, it i'm just saying what's already been said you know for thousands of years and uh but uh there, um, There is a, you know, there is a purpose, right, to talk about these things, right? There is a, um, there is, this is why I'm op- optimistic, is that I think it's possible for us to make this psychological transformation, right, that would permit us to operate on aggregate, right, as a collective right um in a pattern that isn't repeating <laughs> and isn't that doesn't have a limit right and so th- there's a particular problem that that being alive uh brings into being and this is what we're discussing right is that um there there is no way to divide out the self from other right there is no way because this is a polar relationship. <laughs> right? Um, <clears throat> and so uh, the key is, right, is to permit the um, the superposition of self and other, right? Is to permit this duality, this dual nature of things, right? And in so doing, you become non-dual. <laughs> you become non-dual. And so I, I have this thing. So I'm saying the same thing but i have this one thing that is different i think from everyone else which is that um we've separated ourselves out from the natural rhythm right and the problem that we have with that is that it creates a vicious cycle right and we can recognize it by looking at history um it's just the the you know the People get all that up in arms about what you know history is or whatever, but we can definitely see there's a uh, cyclic pattern that civilization exhibits, right? Which is a climb and collapse, climb and collapse, climb and collapse, and the distance between these collapses gets shorter and shorter. And so now we are arriving at the point at which there's a limit to that behavior. And so why is it cause a vicious cycle, right? And this is I don't know if you guys have heard of Bertrand Russell, right? He's a philosopher that uh, lived um, turn of the century into the thirties, you know, forties, and fifties, I think. And he wrote the Principia Mathematica, which, in which he tried to catalog every symbolic representation we had made, whether with logic or math, you know, since our inception, right? And um, what he wants to point out with this is this contradiction, this contradiction which comes from set theory, right? Have you guys looked into set theory at all? No. So Godel basically threw everyone on their head in the late 1900s by saying that math is incomplete, right? And he proved there are truths that are unprovable, (laughs) right? Yeah, I have
2: have heard about this, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so in set theory, and so um, you can basically come at this pretty simply, right? it's it's the problem of self-reference right is that you will end up with contradiction right at a certain point because you cannot remove yourself objectively from the totality so you will and this is why math is incomplete why there are truths that will be unprovable because we end up with this contradiction and you and so i'm getting at how this vicious cycle is created yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) right that's deep
2: that's super super deep
1: yeah and so just to like try to finish this thought um so this set theory and so there's this Bertrand russell came up with this paradox right where he says imagine the set of all things right a set of all things that does not include itself (laughs) right so it's everything yeah right that does not include itself and so when you right if that's the initial conditions if that's the setup of the thought experiment right then Yourself are outside of the set of all things, but now you're qualified to become part of that set because you're outside of it, right? But you can't become a part of it because of the initial requirements of the set, (laughs) right? So it's a contradiction. And this is the problem that we have with self-reference is that self and other are a polar relationship, right? It's unity in disguise. You cannot divide yourself up from all other things.
0: So, based on maths being incomplete, will science? Based on maths being incomplete, science. Yeah, it's like a thought experiment
1: where um, we, um, as scientists, as investigators, are trying to find out what the world is. But every time we get real close, we realize that the world is us. (laughs) Right? That we can't have. There is no objective truth from an observer's point because you affect, um, you are connected to the whole thing.
0: You know? So traditional physics and traditional science will never find the answer.
1: Well, they keep looking, right? And this is the repeating of the pattern, This is the vicious cycle, and they force it on us and they take these big concepts and they repackage them in a way that makes us confused about what they really mean. Like this long, non-locality um, uh, Nobel Prize, right? this is what quantum mechanics says that everything is in entangled. And so what's happening locally is affected by everything in the fucking universe. (laughs) Right. There's no local reality. Right. And so they package it in this way. And then suddenly ends like, everyone's like, are we living in a simulation, you know? And so it's not the way to think about it. Right. It's just that everything. Right. Um, if we think about the universe, and all of these dudes were doing thought experiments, all of these quantum physicists and stuff, right? So think about the universe, Um, right? Time is an illusion, but in this spectrum of the totality where we are, right, it appears as if time passes. And so you can go back to the origin point of all things, right, you can just think about it. And that origin point is a singularity, right? Going down, 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 down to the smallest scale, right? And so if you wanted to arrive at the center, right, go inside, (laughs) go all the way in. That's the center of everything, you know, and this is what we are, right? This is what we are. We are connected to the whole thing. And when we let go, when we stop insisting on a divided self, right, then we are, we recognize that we don't exist. Only the whole thing exists. And by doing this, we actually unlimit ourselves, right? Because an individual is limited right become unlimited by becoming selfless and when i say selfless i don't mean like always working in service of others i mean actually no self right (laughs) and so when you're in this mode this is a meditative state this is flow state when you're in your highest potential operating potential and you fucking get a glimpse of yourself you realize that you're not even there and then once you have that once you take that glimpse and you're like oh look how awesome I am, then everything collapses, right? And your potential is limited, right? And so it's this, this is the catch-22. Is like, let go, surrender, right? Stop acting like it's you. And then suddenly your capability is immeasurable. And so if we can all make this transformation, we can create an organization <laughs> that can move into the future, right? That isn't a limit, right? That isn't a dead end, right?
2: Yeah, and what me and Aaron have... On the journey we've been on with our channel, what we've seen is more and more people recently are waking up like a, a unique amount of people are waking up over the last two years, maybe. Um, so uh, do, do you think there's been a shift somewhere which has caused a mass awakening?
1: Yeah, and I think the shift is um, it can be a trap. Right. And this is what I recognize. Everyone's waking up to all of the shenanigans, right? And the wool being pulled over our eyes and all this stuff. But then, okay, so then you start pointing it out. And then everyone starts arguing about all the different ways and how it is. Right. So we all realize we're 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 getting uh, fooled, right? And then on that plateau, we divide again, right? And so the whole truth or community has been divided again right based on these uh you know incendiary topics that really aren't addressing the real issue which is how do we prevent the dead end right how do we prevent the stub timeline right <laughs> and so um just getting back to this divided consciousness right so divided consciousness is the artificial rhythm right it separates you out from the natural rhythm right and uh It creates this pattern right on aggregate our whole civilization so we are a collective species right we are a collective species and so if we're gonna if the human race is going to be available for consciousness right to have experiences in the future right then um we it seems like we should avoid this other outcome which is operation from a divided consciousness right which is us against them and so if all of our relationship has this as the initial conditions right right which is that somehow i must survive right i must win right at the expense of someone else right it creates a pattern right which is a divided consciousness pattern and it's simply that but it's an artificial rhythm right and so whenever you're operating in that space right? Of divided consciousness where I am going to do this. I'm going to take this action and it's going to cause this effect, right? Then you are operating from divided consciousness, right? And so that's a polar position. (laughs) That is a perturbation of the collective psyche, right? In which if you're going to operate on one pole, it immediately creates the opposite pole, right? (laughs) Polarity, right? Operate, saying you are an individual separate from everything else creates a polarization, right? That must be balanced out, right? This is how the universe works, but this divided consciousness creates a separate uh, rhythm, right? That operates uh, independently from the natural rhythm, and so it like divides itself out. And I would say that this is the metaphor that is in the fable of the Garden of Eden, right? Which is that we um, suddenly comprehend the, um, we understand the nature of good and evil, right? That's eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, knowledge of good and evil, right? And so this is a polarity, good and evil, right? But it's a polarity that doesn't exist except for in our own conception, right? And it is based on divided consciousness, which is that there is a threat out there, right? There is something evil, Right, that I must protect myself from. Right. And so we all operate in this way, right? And it creates a chain reaction. It's like at a gunfight, right? A meeting between lords of gangs, right? They all come packing, right? And whoever draws down first creates a chain reaction where everyone else fucking is going to draw down to. And then you are end up, you end up with the last man standing. And so this is basically what we have. This is the chain reaction that occurs when we operate into divided consciousness. And so this is the different thing that I'm saying, that this is actually where we are now as a civilization, as a species, requires constant prodding and uh, reinforcement, right? Because we would have naturally gone back to a, a state of homeostasis with the environment and just be chilling, you know? We'd just be rolling right now, but we have to be constantly maintained in a state of fear, right? In a state of threat in order to continue on this divided path, which has a limit, right? But, but the thing is, is that the more we are divided, right? As we move forward from industrialization, we become more and more fractured, more and more atomized, atomized. And like just the last three years, the hardest atomization that we've had yet, where just people walking past you are a threat to you, you know. Um, <clears throat> and so there's a curious fucking um, symptom of this behavior is, and it is our technology, right? And the irony is, what is the message of our technology, right? This is comes from McLuhan, the medium is the message. And this is what I talk about in my podcast, right? Is understanding what the medium, our technology, is the medium, right? What is the message of the medium? And what McLuhan says is the message is the medium. The medium is the message. And so all of our technology, despite us being divided, right, um, only tells us that we are more and more interdependent. More and more interdependent. The more radical innovation that we take, the more interdependent we are. And so the more divided we are, the more interdependent we become. And it becomes this massive contradiction that create, that you have to have cognitive, cognitive dissonance to be able to operate under, right? Do you see this in our surroundings right now? Crazy contradictions everywhere, right? Um, people on the left having to hold two opposite things in their mind at the same time and yet still not seeing that they contradict each other's, you know, on the right, too. I would say both sides are just as full, right?
0: I think uh, free speech is a prime example because the right will claim free speech when it's something they uh, want to express. But if it goes against what they want, then they will say, oh, we need regulations in place to prevent that and then the left can be exact same to the right yeah contradict each other
1: exactly and you'll see the big flip-flop from the last 20 years um 2004 the right wanted to censor the left for criticizing the government about war in in the middle east right now we have the left wanting to censor the right right and no one remembers right you just flip sides it's fucking crazy but, uh, so just to finish what I was saying, which is that it's this, if we hold in our minds this division, right, this divided consciousness mindset, then um, in all of our relationships, it creates a pattern, right, right? On aggregate, over time, millions of interactions, it creates a pattern if everyone's operating from this position, right? Which is that you are separate and you must survive, you know? Um, so, right, if we can flip that switch, Right, which is to recognize that we are not separate and that you cannot be separate. And if you insist on being separate, then you get this mental illness, right? <laughs> which is this repeat the pattern. <laughs> so if we can recognize that, right, then at this point we can take all of our accumulated knowledge, right, with all of our technology and operate it in rhythm with nature, not nature, nature, right? And not operating in this artificial rhythm, right, that we are operating separate from. And the only way that is possible to do is that we all have our individual minds, right? And whatever we believe, you know, in the majority inside society becomes operatively true, right? I mean, this is the most mundane way to describe we create our own reality, you know what I mean? Which is that whatever we believe, despite its veracity or not, it becomes true in the operation of society if everyone believes that, you know? And so this is the initial conditions of the equation of humanity, right? And so if we can change our initial conditions, right, to not be in survival mode, right, to be fearless, right, and to recognize that we are here to exchange with each other, then we maximize that, we maximize that exchange, we maximize that living aspect. And so when we're divided like this, right, we don't change, right? We're fully evolved already. We had this exchange in place before the cataclysm that destroyed this earlier civilization. Are you guys down with that? Are you down with that? Uh, somewhat. Uh... Yeah, there's tons of evidence, right? That there was, you know, that we had this figured out more somehow in the past. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that.
1: <laughs> so we're already fully capable, right? Um, this living in our industrialized society doesn't improve us, right? It improves our technology, (laughs) right? So we stay the same. Our technology becomes advanced, but we get to a point, and this is why there's a limit to this behavior, where our technology is incompatible with our mode, with our adversarial mode of operation, right? And so our technology is saying we're interdependent, right? We put our nervous system outside of our bodies and connected all of us, right, with the internet, everything that we make is an extension of the faculty of our bodies and the internet is the system, right?
0: Do you think the ancients used to live by this way, this natural rhythm, live their lives with this natural rhythm in mind? And after this great cataclysm, it got forgotten about or?
1: Yeah, we were, we, there was maybe 2000 of us left, you know, (laughs) after that.
0: Um, so i watch quite a bit of Graham Hancock. And he's, uh, so he went to a few, like, I think he went to Mexico.
1: Yeah, I've been studying him since his earlier books. Like Yeah, I, so you'll,
0: you'll probably know a lot more about him yeah. than me. Well, um, I
1: agree with him, except that I don't agree in some cases, right? <laughs> because he
0: said there's a there's a common story with a lot of societies where a guy came on a boat and taught them how to farm and taught them sort of how to run a civilization. Did they not pass down the knowledge from the ancients about natural rhythms?
1: Um, so yeah, and this is what Matt Lacroix talks about. You know, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him. A little bit. I've listened to one or two of his things. Yeah. So he's all into this. He's learned how to translate the cuneiform tablet tablets and all that stuff. Um, the the cataclysm happened, right? And there was an attempt by the survivors of the, the high priests of this high civilization, you can call it Atlantis or whatever, right, uh, to an attempt to bring humanity back up to um, a level, right? So it's almost like you could call it the fall of man, right, to re, um, re-member, right, to remember man, to put man back together, right? All of these buildings and shit were, like, made to, in order to do that. Um But all were corrupted (laughs) at some point in the past, right? And this is like, anyone listening, like I'm not saying anything for sure. This is just what it seems like. But if you look at the history of the Mayans, right? They have this uh, hummingbird God that comes in, right? And changes everything, right? This guy that comes from the South and that's when they start doing all this fucked up shit, right? And so previous to that, all of these buildings are way older than we give them credit for, right? And you can see that they're more advanced on the bottom, right? And they turn into basically stacked rocks on the top, right So there's like a degradation, right over time of, yeah, so that we had this knowledge, we forgot it, and a little bit is survived here and there, right? And for me, it's like one of the things that survives is like Taoism, right, which is the eching, right? This is like teaching you the knowledge that the the previous civilization had, right. But it's uh, you know it's I would say that it's been uh, eight thousand years plus right and uh, Lao Tzu right, whatever six thousand years ago right has been saying this shit but we it hasn't had an impact <laughs> right we're still operating in this same mode so the time is now right the urgency is here but when you look at it from the standpoint of all time all timelines exist um, simultaneously right. What's special about this one? Like, why is this special? Why is consciousness interested in this? Why does it appear to be like there's these other races, you know, taking a look at what's happening here? You know, that's the way it appears. I'm not going to say anything yay or nay about that, but uh, it seems like there is forces at play that want to drive us all the way down into that stub timeline. And then build a simulated universe and just live at the end of that stub, right? (laughs) Inside a digital universe, you know? Because they know that divided consciousness is a dead end every time. They know it's a dead end. The only way to fucking become a god is to ride down that dead end, build a giant fucking simulation, and then become a god at the end of this dead end timeline, you know? And this is where it gets real conspiracy for what I'm talking about. Because this is like um, what the Gnostics talk about, right? With the demiurge and stuff. And for me, the demiurge isn't the creator. It's simulated creation and put it on top and install it in our minds. And so the metaverse is already here, right? But it requires constant maintenance. And so the idea is is to get it into an automated state. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: yeah. Fucking hell. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: So, yeah, so if you can do this, right, so how do you do this? How do you make, how do you go non-dual, right? And so you recognize that there's no separation of the individual from the whole, right, so that you don't exist, right? And so then you operate not from a position, a polar position that says that I am me, right? You recognize that the whole thing is me, right, and everyone is me, right? Um. and and so it doesn't become so serious right at that point in in a way you know and so what is the how do you make this psychological transformation it's like what do you guys think like do you think this is possible like that it's possible
0: the question i've got is the people who are in control do you you think they know about these ancient this ancient knowledge about how we should be living and you think they're knocking us off they're obviously knocking us off track on purpose yeah for their own
1: yeah um, zaria was is an agent right, Zarya was is an agent, right? That, that basically is constantly lying to us about the history of egypt you know So who was that zaria he's the head egyptologist you know national egyptologist and you see him on all the tv shows he's got a very distinctive look um yeah so i was saying
0: just going back to graham hancock he seems to be onto something where well, and the powers that be are trying to put a stop to him getting his message out there
1: well they put him on netflix so what is that that's yeah. a massive that's- endorsement right that just creates more division and I, i'd say that Dividing people is the um, m- keeping us divided in every way possible, which is why they allow us to talk about conspiracies, right? Because it, it's a hard division between the normies and the people who can, you know, see some shit. So, yeah, it's like it creates this division. It gets all of these mainstream archaeologists all riled, you know, and it's a, you know.
0: Is there a way for, like, well, this is just an idea, is there a way for perhaps a, does it have to be the whole human race or can it be a subculture or sub society away from the rest of the human race that get together and start living living within the natural river
1: that's tricky because you want to you see these breakaway civilizations that's kind of what you're describing it's like oh we're going to go and create this community out in the woods and we're going to be separate from everything else but again right um, if it's successful, right, it becomes competitive against the uh, uh, mainstream model, right? So again, it's it's more division. Any breakaway civilization must be prepared to add everyone <laughs> because it's all of us. It's all of us.
2: Um, you, you asked what we think um, about like, if it's possible for everyone to sort of break off. I... Honestly, and I would like to hear your opinion on it, because I find it really hard to believe that it's possible because, for example, my awakening, um, I was looking into conspiracies throughout my teens, uh, got got older and sort of went off conspiracies a little bit and fell into the trap of life, I guess, where it's get a job, you need money, you need financial freedom and you need a house and then you need kids. That's sort of like the loop that you're talking about. Everyone, most people fall into it. But because I looked into them conspiracies and I always had that curiosity and that questioning of life itself and what is life and the deeper meaning of life, after a few conversations from doing the alternative channel, it was quite fast for me to progress from who I was to being sort of fully awakened but then when I look at someone else who's not gone through any of the stuff that I've, conversations or uh, watched any videos on what I've watched or been exposed to any of the information I have, they're in, say, corporate jobs where they're a slave to the system and they're making good money, they're, they're making really good money, and what they think um, they've got fulfillment out of, they, where, where they think fulfillment is, that's what they're, they're sort of living. I find it really hard for that person to even give the time of day to a conversation like we're having to let alone become fully awakened they wouldn't even want to it would be in their mind it would be a waste of time to even sit down and have this conversation which we're, we're having
1: yeah and so we live in a military i mean a material reductionist uh viewpoint like that's the primary viewpoint right of our you know of the world <clears> right <throat> is that we are our bodies and that we die and we're gone forever, right? And that this um existence is about you know just having you're supposed to, like this is what we're told, like just have the best life possible, right? But yeah, and that's fine. There's nothing fucking wrong with that, and you can't do shit for them. Um if they um it's it's crazy how hearing something can somehow plant the seed, right? And then it it grows, and there's no going back, right? Once you can see, you can't unsee it, you know. And so it's just like that character in the Matrix who he's like, I want you know uh, security, and I want a fucking badass steak, right? It's like I don't want to live fucking in the wasteland, you know. And it's like if I hear what you're saying and and somewhere on the inside, I know you're right, but then I will be outcast, you know, and so I won't be able to, you know, exchange for my living. So the idea behind what I'm talking about is, is to create, is to reestablish this sacred exchange that exists that, because this is what we do. This is our nature, right? First is to create value. This is what all our faculties are made for. And the lie is, is that, uh our our nature is to make sure we survive <laughs> but that's a double bind right that's a double bind and and so that's why it creates this like um this uh what i've been referring to which is this repeating cycle this groundhog day um uh, and <clears throat> so it, it's like that's it like that's it it's like they make sure that um the threat of um, not surviving is always on the horizon you know and that in society even now when largely we're not in danger right our lives largely for the most part we're not in danger but we walk around like um our status is our life when the only thing in danger is our status right not our life right and so we're fighting everyone for status right. And this is what creates the repeated pattern because it stratifies immediately the structure of society and the top echelon will try to maintain their control over it for as long as possible. And so they set up all these institutions in order to, to maintain the status quo, right? It sounds bitter when you start saying it like this, but this is how it works. As soon If it's a, an adversarial mode of operation, it stratifies society instantly, right? That's what happens. And it doesn't select... Right, this uh, idea about social Darwinism—it right? doesn't select for better, <laughs> right? It only selects for psychopath, right? Which is that have no fucking empathy, right? And no remorse about being ruthless, you know. And so we are already fully evolved, right? We don't need to. There's no um, natural selection need occurred right? We are only fully capable of, of doing this because we did it before, you know? We've done it before. And and so it's like, it's when you go to meditate, like meditation is important in order to get this feeling, right? This uh, dissolving of the sense of self, right? That's what meditation is. But when you set out to say that you're going to meditate because it's important, right? Then that is a will-driven activity. And so you've divided yourself on right so when you're operating in society like when you realize that you don't exist right it doesn't mean that you stop cognizing, right it just means that you open up space in your awareness for the new to come in right (laughs) and so when the self dissolves you are open one is open for inspiration from the totality which another way of saying is divine inspiration And so all of this stuff is awesome. Being here is awesome. Doing the things that we do is fucking awesome. (laughs) This is the interesting place to be, right? Let's make it operate as it is intended to operate, right? Whereas instead of in a divided consciousness, we get this, um, we're on a fucking, almost like we have a parasite, right? Where we're being driven to build this machine furiously, (laughs) right? And so the only way to kill the parasite,
3: right,
1: is that we cannot say that, look, the system's fucked up. I see a problem. I'm going to address it, right? That is just more will acting in a divided space, right? Divided conscious space, which which creates a perturbation, right? Which, uh, Which immediately creates the opposite. And so you're just cycling the the wheel of karma, I would say that the reason that we are on this wheel of karma is because we've chosen to separate ourselves out from the natural rhythm, right? And so we can get off, but it's not an individual thing, right? We get off together. And so that this, the human race can proliferate and move into the future, right? In a way that is natural, the way we are intended. So all of this, like, just, you know, Self help and all of that stuff. It's hard division again. Every time it's hard division, and so it's just more of the same, right? It's more uh, divided consciousness operating in this artificial rhythm, right, which is separate from the rhythm of nature. So how do we how do we do that, right? How do we do that? And it's a conception, right? So me talking about this is conceptual, and but the idea, the objective is to remove conception right, is to remove a human evaluation of the thing and be completely aware without naming anything, measuring anything, or making a model of anything and saying that's the thing. <laughs> and so that's the, the Polish uh, philosopher who uh, came up with general semantics, what we called it. Is He just says, the map is not the territory. Right? This model we have built of the world is not the actual thing. <laughs> It's just a model. And the word that we use to describe things out there is not the thing. So the map is not the territory. The word is not the thing, (laughs) right? And so when you're out there operating, um, when you make a declaration, right? Then you've created a polar relationship, right? But if you can observe something and say, that's how it appears or that's how it seems, just don't say the word is, right? This is it, this is how it is, right? Because that's a hard division, right? This is how it appears, right? And we're all here to exchange value with each other. And so let's do that, right? So it's not like when you realize you become nothing, you don't stop, right? (laughs) You just allow um, the unfolding, right? You don't uh, limit yourself with your own will, right? you just don't measure what you do it's uh have you guys heard of wu wei right the principle of wu wei from the dao and it's translated effortless effort or right is where it's um you are doing right you were living but it's effortless right <laughs> because you haven't measured it <laughs> right you haven't measured um, from a human or a conceptual perspective what it is that you're doing right so whatever you're inspired to do don't stop and think about how hard it's going to be Measure it right or think about what impact it's going to have on the world measure it right <laughs> because that's a measurement and when you are trying to measure the world you're trying to divide yourself out from it
2: right, right yeah 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 Well, how much money can i make from this
1: <laughs> yeah and it's like oh i'm i must do this right? uh to save the world (laughs) but there's nothing to be done and that's the thing that's the trick that's what makes this so hard right is that we're already this we're already fully evolved and so when these new agers talk about shifting timelines there's some truth to that right there's some truth to that because all timelines exist simultaneously right Um, in the pure potentiality and it's only like us you know this um conscious observing that collapses it into something that is you know perceivable and so we can shift our fucking timeline collectively right uh doing it for yourself just getting you know it's like manifesting right like this 8-8 Lionsgate portal everyone's talking about manifesting right and it's like yeah, you can, sh- you can shift over right to that timeline where your life is better, where you have more stuff, where you have more comfort, more stability, more uh, freedom of mobility, right? But it's still this parallel timeline, right? That is gonna just be a dead end. And it's this problem of self-reference, right? Is that if you insist on dividing, it is a circular, right? It's a revolution, right? That's what I call a revolution you have a revolution then you start again and then the circle gets tighter right so the Ouroboros to me is the symbol of this mode of behaviour right which is we're eating ourselves right (laughs) until we run out of tail
0: so have you thought of any ideas on how if society as a whole can make the shift
1: um yeah uh, first we talk about it right <laughs> and then if it's possible for these words to spark some kind of um you know realization right and so it's first realized right and a lot of people are realized right i would i would probably include myself in that but not actualized right because i can see all this shit but i still you know um if what you say is the is the case then your life should be awesome right <laughs> But I, I'm, i right, it's that thing that Krishnamurti uh, says is that it's no measure of mental health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society, you know? And so, and that's what kind of traps us here. And that's why I get upset with uh, guys like Jordan Peterson who say, clean your room, right? He's like, stop trying to fucking save the world, get your own shit together first. Well, get my own shit together, now I'm well-adjusted. I don't need to save the world, it's all good for me. And so this is a individualized perception of the world that it's all about me, right? (laughs) But it's all about everything.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So yeah, first the psychological transformation and then this, so I started fucking backwards, right? I was like, how do we solve this, right? And so then I was like, okay, let's define value. Um, what is value, right? And it, original value starts from being alive, right? Which is the certain things that are necessity to continue to live, right? And we can see that in our current society, all of those things are controlled, right? So everything that we require to survive has been um, uh, stockpiled and taken control over, <laughs> right? And that's that's not the way it should be, right? We don't earn a living, we live, you know? um so the idea that i have is to reestablish the uh a sacred exchange that was is already in place that is our nature right that removes this um extraction of our life's blood from the exchange against our will right and so it's just pure exchange and so we use technology in order to create a network that permits that right and so if there was a what to be done right it is to maximize our ability to exchange and um permit access for everyone and it's not you know it's not ubi it's just you create this like structure this interface that anyone can fucking go into based on whatever their fucking passions are and instead of going to school to become a professional you start creating at the bottom of whatever thing you're interested in whatever thing you want to create and so you're already outputting and learning as you go you know and uh, I, I visualize it as a mandala structure, right? Where the general um, manufacturing stuff that uh, requires massive cooperative effort, right? And everyone paying in to do it. everything agree we agree that we need this, and it's basically infrastructure right? is that is the center of the mandala, right? And so if you want to be an engineer, right, the idea is, is that you travel through this interface over the course of your life, learning and adapting, and maybe you know parallel shifting, you know to a different um, you know sector, right? But all of these things we, we require as a, as a modern civilization, we require this infrastructure, right? And so um, the the idea that I propose is that it is a an exchange, right? That everyone has access to, right? And it just maximizes our nature which is to take our gifts and whatever lights our fire and fucking go after it and just permit that to be right and so we have the technology now to put the means of production into every region right we can use these robots not to take our jobs but just to make shit for us right why is it taking our jobs why does it have to be like that like they say that on purpose right in order to create this division in order to get a situation right? A problem that they can offer the solution to later, right? Which is UBI is just trying to perpetuate the current structure, right? Which is universal basic income, right? Just fucking do that, right? But really, it's just let everyone start to contribute and you won't need to fucking UBI that shit. (laughs) So yeah, so we, but in order to have this kind of a uh, organization, right? Which is organization without leadership, basically. Um, everyone has to be able to recognize that it is all of us together that is how we live and that the the days of competition um, um the necessity of competition is over right the adversarial mode of operation is done <laughs> you know and so yeah so first makes the psychological transformation recognize you don't exist right is that it is the only the whole thing that exists Right. And the time is an illusion, right? And so that we can actually um, uh, collectively get on a timeline that permits us to fucking rock and roll, you know. And that what would be more awesome than that, you know? It'd be more awesome than that. <laughs> essentially,
0: what will happen is we'll replace competition with passion. So, what drives like? Innovation now is competition. Companies want to be the next, release the next big thing, want to release the next, next best phone. But if you've got people passionate about making a specific thing like a phone or inventing a new phone or inventing anything, they'll, they'll solely that is solely just based off their passion and not off what the competing companies doing.
1: Yeah, and then it's possible to have ideas compete, right? Instead of people competing, you let ideas compete. And so if you have two uh, uh, groups, right? Two functional groups, functional teams trying to create something of value, right? That is in the same sector, right? You have everyone fucking um, in on that shit from the beginning, right? Real-time real time uh, uh, um, market research, right? And so basically before you even go into production, everyone's decided who won and that whoever didn't get their product to fucking uh, go, doesn't lose, right. <laughs> they don't, right. They lose in a way, but they don't like, they aren't destroyed. Right. And in fact, in fact, the competition actually made it so that it, everything could be better. Right. And so they get, um, you know, compensated for that, you know, everyone is compensated for their contribution.
0: What well, it sounds like is, uh, the best of the free market and the best of communism.
1: <laughs> well, we have to under- these these words are, you know, they are designed to trigger and to create these image and, images in our minds. But I would I would challenge everyone to think about uh, technology in this way: is that the only reason it exists is because thousands of generations lived, right? And without those thousands of generations having lived, we wouldn't have this technology. And so it's fucking ours. It's all of ours, <laughs> right? And so thinking about it, in it's in like, oh, means of production. You fucking, you're a Marx fan, you know? It's like, yeah, we. This is how we live. We exchange with each other, right? Everything that we make, right, is of value to everyone, and so it is everyone's, so, <laughs> you know. And so we would have to, like, yeah, in order to redistribute the means of production, we have to um, uh, <clears throat> take away <laughs> corporate power. And so, how you do that, right, is you ignore them, right? And so, we need a network, a um, market, an exchange that is separate, that is in the natural rhythm, that is separate from this other one. We can't do anything inside of it. We only fucking turn the wheel on that shit. We have to ignore it, right? Go to our own fucking exchange, right? And so, we create it and we offer so much value that no one can avoid it, right? And so that's what it, one of the things I talk about is value wells, right? Is that the clear difference between before and after of a product, like a technology. I use the stone tool as an example because it it's um, primal simplification, right? Go back in time, you have the same uh, factors at play but it's much more simplified. And so you see uh, someone make, using a stone tool and how they were just fucking slicing the meat off of the skin with this handheld, uh, you know, axe, right? The, the difference between no tool and tool is so stark that everyone around can see the value of it, right? And so it becomes a uh, well, right? People start to orbit this value well. And in order to perpetuate it, right? This is where my argument for cooperation over competition. Cooperation is much higher right as an effectiveness over competition because in order to perpetuate the knowledge of a stone tool there has to be cooperation there has to be sharing right can't have a guy coming in saying this is awesome i'm going to smash you with a rock and now i've got one stone tool right, right I, don't yeah. know, I don't know how to fucking make another one <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean so it's like comp, uh cooperation is primary driver right for innovation <laughs> And that's what I would say is that yes, competition has been a driver of innovation, but it's really the individual, the, the, the desire to provide value for others. Has an individual see something like a stone tool, take it, use it, but can figure out a, a better way to do it, <laughs> you know, and then come back from their own individual laboratory and share it with others. And so now they've, have something of value to share with others and they're valued by others and they're part of the group, right, which is improving your chances of survival way, way, way more than being stronger and more able to kill, you know. So to a
2: certain degree, this is what the um, universal basic income, this is the way it's sort of spoken about to a degree, not to the extent or to the um, sort of depth that you've you've, um, explained, what you've explained today. But when people talk about the UBI, they they have some of these factors in there. What do you think the UBI is then? Do you think that's more of a, a way for the elites, so to speak, to package something up that some people Yeah, want?
1: because it has this in it, the UBI, which is the idea to remove the pressure off of people, right, of daily survival, and so that they can pursue stuff that they want. That's good, right? but. That's not what will happen. <laughs> right The more the more prevalent behavior will just be um, this is uh, you know, free money, right. <laughs> and so that the idea of, like there's no fulfillment in this kind of thing, right? There's no um, uh, grinding of these uh, love of creation gears inside with that kind of thing, you know what I mean. And so it's not a fulfilling thing. Right, yeah, you could give someone UBI and they can go and pursue whatever the shit, whatever the fuck they want, right? But they really want to, right, be compensated for what they've given to others, right? And and so you can make it in that way where there's no um, uh, barring of anyone from the the sacred exchange that I am talking about, right? And and so and if you allow anyone to go after whatever their it gets their fire lit, right? that's fulfilling right and then they can start being compensated for the activity that they're doing in that sector
2: yeah 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 so flicking back to when we were talking about ancient civilizations would you say they had a similar setup they're obviously far more advanced in the way we're going to be thinking about it but do you think the actual setup was similar in that situation
1: well they definitely had some kind of you know it's like I, i'm not Sure, we're definitely terrestrial. Whether or not we've been interfered with, which we definitely have, you know, and i not—I don't know how, but in some way we've been interfered with. And uh, <clears throat> but there was we had technology. There was technology available back then that we can't even think about. We don't even know how to think about it, right. And so every time we were like, "How did they build the pyramids?" and we try to think about it from our own fucking standpoint. We realize that it's impossible. We can't do it. So there's something there that they had, right? Some kind of technology that was far more advanced, right? Than anything we have. And it made it so that living, right? It's basically, you could think of it as like, how would it be if free energy was a thing, right? And it would release the the pressure on everything almost immediate, you know? And so a whole different structure would, would be created, right? And I actually think that, yeah, free energy is is a thing, right? The the vacuum is not empty. It's just teeming with juice, right? (laughs) And we can just take it from there, from there, no problem. But uh, yeah, I think in some aspects, these ancient civilizations, what they were able to do with stone, right? says that they had something figured out that we can't even, even think of at the moment. And it's from, because we aren't thinking of it in the right way, right? And so you could call this spirit science, right? And so material reductionism um, takes out the spirit aspect. right? And if we were gonna move forward in science, we have to include that in, right? And so I think it's, if we had a, a better understanding of what this is, right? Which probably includes that it's all one thing, right? And that all of that, yeah. and that all of this energy is available and that we actually make it really fucking, uh, uh, easy right mm-hmm. and so yeah i think definitely the ancient civilizations had something and there is ruins of cities that don't have walls right and so that just shows right that there's these large scale uh, um, habitation sites that were not in need of protecting themselves
2: yeah because they weren't run in a state of fear because how we're run today is everyone's scared and therefore we look to our government for Mm -hmm. security
1: and so there was no thought of that so there was no need to build a wall right um i think in our current conception everyone my kind of thinking someone like would say oh you're naive it's people are always going to be bastards you know and um i think that's true (laughs) right if we are operating in this mode.
2: Right. yeah exactly. I agree yeah. but, if
1: we, but if we aren't, then it's not the case, right There's no need for uh, enforcement right in this kind of a uh, structure.
2: Yeah, because if you look at the reason why people are bastards today, um, it's either ego-led uh, greed. it's one of these sort of values which if they were to sort of fix a mindset. They could alleviate a lot of these values, which aren't necessarily needed. Like holding your ego at the forefront of everything you do isn't actually required. Uh, being if we if we were to go down this route, being greedy wouldn't be required because it's all sort of shared. It's all it's all over the place for you. But a lot of the crime and the crap that you see today is sort of led by these values, which has been put in place by the system that we live in.
1: Yeah, I think. Um, they started to have to build walls when they had a surplus, right, of grain, right it wasn't the lack of grain that created a need for protection it was a surplus, you know so thinking about it in that way, you know um, that the laws that we create right, demand that there'd be something for the law to be in place for. Right? And so it, it creates, right? What it's trying to enforce.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like the war on drugs, right?
1: Yeah. Um, and so in this, you know, artificial law, right? This made up law, man's law or whatever, um, it creates, right? It's another way to think about it is that government is paid protection, right? Just like the mob, right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so there's no reason to pay them if there's no threat and so they're the threat <laughs> we maintain the threat
3: <laughs>
1: and so that makes sure that this pattern continues right? it completely stops when you stop defending your identity defending your psychological sense of self
0: how um, important,
2: or I don't know what your experiences with it, with with all of this, anyway, but how important, or how much could it help if the use of psychedelics was a little bit more free?
1: Hmm. Yeah, um, I'm actually working on that a lot right now. I started a microdosing company for for psilocybin, uh, and. Um, I had been microdosing a little bit, but so I think it's really, really important because it basically um, allows you to let go of that need to protect, right? And so I noticed it right away, like the feeling, I just took one um, when I first started taking these, uh, we're just putting them in little gel caps, right? 125 milligrams. And there's a lot of different strains and stuff, but we found this one, but I, I took one and I'm a footballer, right? And I play soccer every week and uh i stepped out on the pitch that day and was just like i own this place you know and i didn't even give a fuck right and and normally it's like when you receive the ball all this stuff's going through your mind you know it's like um you will be of two minds and you'll mess it up right you'll be like pass dribble shoot and you do all three things at once mess it up whatever but I just I just walked on that pitch and I didn't care, you know, but then I once I get out there and start receiving the ball, I also again don't care what's happening. <laughs> and so in that way, I was able to just score at will, you know and and so you become aware of the motion of the game at a slower scale, right when you let go of this um, need to perform you know
2: <laughs> yeah because yeah. you're letting go of the potential risks of things that could go wrong you, like, yeah you yeah
1: looking like a fool or you know whatever you know and so i noticed it right away with the with athletics right and so yeah i think it's a really really important um to break off this crust right uh, over our eyes right that don't permit us to see and um, it's not necessary all the time. I don't, I'm not saying I'm not advocating, uh, take it forever. Like SSRIs. you know, the way they have people on this shit, but, um, uh, um, the idea is to get to a whole perception without any external. Right. Yeah. Um, I was going to
0: say how long you've been microdosing for and is it something you do for a long period of time? And once you come off it, are the effects like permanent after that?
1: Yeah. And so they can become permanent. And uh, so I've been doing it for a while probably I did it two years ago for a while and then I stopped, but I've been doing it because we started this company. Um, And it's difficult because it's still illegal, mostly federally everywhere there's only a few states here that you know so it's like it's hard to talk about, but uh, I think it's really important and. But yeah, so it creates uh, new neural pathways. It allows you to operate um, in situations where normally it would have you anxious, you know, in a completely calm way, right. And this actually builds it up in your brain so that it's not necessary to be using it, right. And so yeah, the idea is is that uh, you take a one month supply, which is 20 tablets, and you take 4 days on 2 days off and you journal and you um try to see the like the differences the contrast and uh either you keep doing it or you recognize that you've made a lot of progress right but uh what Terence McKenna says right and he's the you know the mushroom guru of all time right you guys know Terence McKenna Yeah I've had a,
2: a couple of <laughs> recently uh
1: the so I, I like him a lot. He is you know, he, he misses some things just like everyone. And, but uh what he would say is is that the mushrooms allow you to have a conversation, right They have a conversation with you. and they basically uh, slap down all of your uh, insecurities, right And so um allow you, to realize that your insecurities are you know your uh, attempt to protect who you think you are you know your identity or your sense of self and that that it's not necessary
2: yeah because it's which is completely artificial but for example someone that's never taken any psychedelics you could explain to them the situation that it is all artificial and they could understand that but without in my opinion though without actually feeling that it'll be a hard thing to understand and a hard thing to
1: believe yeah and and it gives you that feeling it offers it up for you right and it can be right it's very uh, beneficial for newbies um, to this kind of thing to have guidance and to do it in a group right so that uh, if it gets scary then there's someone there to help you because yeah Um, it can be scary, right? Because all of a sudden, right, it's telling you that you don't exist. (laughs) Um, But it's very illuminating. And so, yeah, uh, McKenna says, you know, you take uh, a heroic dose one time and it's like a thousand hours of therapy.
2: Heroic dose, uh, how much is it? Five grams. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because I've also—I um, don't know what your opinions are on um, cannabis, but I've heard a lot of people who take uh, don't smoke it recreationally. They smoke it because it um, sets them straight. It tells them a few things that aren't sort of aligned right in whatever it is they they are feeling that like they should be aligned in.
1: Yeah. Um... Cannabis can be a good, it's, it's a little bit more gentle maybe than mushrooms, right? And it's a different, um, kind of, uh, spirit behind it, you know? Uh, but yeah, definitely. Uh, I think for someone who's chronic, who's been smoking it since they were 15, the, um, you can reach a threshold where you you could be done with marijuana, you know, where it's not necessary
4: anymore, you know?
1: Um, and it does it, it actually points it, it shines a light on yourself right and so that's why it's uh, a good introductory for people, you know, for this mind altering aspect. Um, and that's again why it gets really scary because it's like you can't you have to take you have to be accountable right and I think marijuana really does uh, um, make you accountable, you know. I mean you'll see people get in fights and then they'll do a, a ripper bong rip or something and then someone will come back later and apologize you know <laughs> after sitting there all stone thinking about it right
2: well yeah you see the i guess this leads on to another question but you can see the difference there between uh weed and alcohol which everyone always sort of compares the two um but what are your thoughts around alcohol and well yeah what are your thoughts around alcohol as we're talking about yeah life?
1: i mean there's a reason it's you know it's legal right they like it it's a the effect that it gives people which is it's a depressive quality right um it taxes you it makes you tired uh it fucks with your organs <laughs> you know it feels good at first right and it makes you feel all, um like you know socializing and you know having a good time that's all great and everything. but um yeah i wouldn't uh i don't think it's it's good I think it's not good.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think from the conversation we've been having today and also other conversations as well, um, me and Aaron both quit alcohol at the start of this year. So January the 1st, we said mm-hmm. bye cool. to alcohol. Um, and then we've been having these conversations with people like the one we've had today. And yeah, like you can highlight all of the uh, negative parts of alcohol, which are quite easy just to list off just like that. But one thing I'm noticing recently is, like what we we've said today about finding yourself within the mix of everyone, and everyone is is you. Every time someone drinks alcohol, that pushes them so far away from even coming close to being able to find sort of the true spirit of life. What we've been discussing today, and it's escapism in the sense that oh yeah, I've worked all week, so I need to relax and go and escape. But it's a escapism on a whole other level that no one really talks about. Is that completely cuts you off from your spiritual self and from spirituality as a whole
1: yeah because what i find uh is that the next day is when it comes in right is that you're beating yourself up right and that is when you're in conflict with yourself that's again hard division right that's hard divided consciousness right and so it it creates that cycle every time you drink you know (laughs) yeah um so so yeah it's not a good one and i i've enjoyed it very much you know over my life and i've stopped drinking it too and uh what you find is is that you can get into that social uh state that you feel on alcohol without it you know it's just at the beginning you don't get this hard contrast of difference right it's just it's a slow build right and so um six weeks of going clean right feels way better than a half pint of jim bean
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you can get that right it takes six weeks to get that feeling you got to be clear for six weeks and then all of a sudden you're like man i feel light i don't need it to talk to people in fact i'm way more social and i can pull shit out of my brain way better you know having a conversation you know
0: and what you're saying actually makes sense
1: yeah yeah it makes sense like you know weed whatever that's the big joke about weed it's like oh i wrote down the best idea and then you wake up in the morning and it was like uh you know whatever something in name right (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah mushrooms are it's a good way and i think can hancock talks about that but i would say uh, that uh psychedelics were used against us in the 60s, you know, in the hippie movement. And it was to swing that pendulum hard, right? So that it would swing back all the way to the conservative side. And, you know, my parents were hippies, right? They were on a commune, my dad was in Vietnam, he came back from Nam, didn't about face, became a hippie, moved the family to Northern New Mexico uh, and joined a commune, you know? And uh, there was all these high ideals and stuff, but all it did was uh, fracture. Right, families, right, which is what I've in my family. And also all of these boomers who were hippies at one point, um, got their shit together, right and became the leaders of corporate um, of the corporate world. and fucked us even harder, right? <laughs> right, With all of these corporate behaviors, you know, with the you know, planned obsolescence, wasting of materials, polluting the groundwater, blah, blah blah, 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 you know? all that shit. And so it's like, yeah, thanks a lot, hippies. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so at the beginning of our conversation, you said you didn't uh, you well, you became awakened around 15 years old, I think you said. Um, obviously, what you've just told me then about your parents and a little bit of your upbringing, what was it that made you wake up? Do you know what sort of thing it was?
1: Um, I was smoking weed, but it wasn't that. Although that did help me a lot because you get a different perspective, right? And you realize things with with marijuana, right? That make you, it seems like you can see more than other people who are like, it's the, you know, devil weed, right? Might have had something to do with it, but uh, I just stopped trying to um, get approval, right? From my friend group, right? And so I stopped trying in every way. Right. And I realized after I did that, that um, my uh, relationships were much more real, you know, and that everyone wasn't my friend, wasn't my friend. you know. And so I stopped, you know, like trying to like, like I started wearing just like ratty clothes and, you know, it's like, I'm not packaging myself at all. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's me. Right. You get me. Right. I'm not going to try to like create a package for y'all. Right. With a shitty interior. And so that was one of the main things I did at that point. I was like, I just stopped trying to like fit into the kind of friend group.
0: One thing you mentioned at the start of the podcast is you had to deal with victimization when you was younger. How do you, what do you think about society today where it seems that victimhood is being celebrated somewhat?
1: Yeah. It's, it's hard identification. So being a victim or being uh, an aggressor are the same thing, right? You're identified, right? Um, right. You're identified, you know, with this alpha mentality, like I'm better than anyone. I'm awesome. Right. And this is why I'm awesome. Right. Um, as with a victim mentality, it's the same thing. This is why everyone rejects me. Right. That I'm just, this is because it's who I am. Right. And so it becomes an ego definition, just like um, the other side, right? Of uh, the bully, right? The bully is the same thing. And, and it's so,
0: polarization yeah. again, isn't it? Yeah.
1: So the, again, it is again. It's hard division, right? It's uh, um, um, identifying yourself, right? And so, this is what we have, right? In the modern discussion, right? Which makes it so you have to tiptoe around everything. You can't say shit. You can't criticize it, or you're a bigot, right? When you want to say that it's like all this hard division is actually what creates more problems you know so yeah the victim mentality is the same as the bully mentality it's the same thing
2: yeah that's really important point actually um the other thing as well what you were saying is what about sort of the way that you woke up if you look at what we were discussing earlier on how if we can see other people like, if we can see it happening, the, the Great Awakening where everyone wakes up. Um, there was that book, I've not read it, but I can tell what it is from the title, The Monk That Sold His Ferrari, I think it was called. The, the, there might be um, enough people who could be sort of pioneers that the way stuff's going, people in the corporates who are high up are sort of getting squeezed dry in their roles. Um, they more and more people might break their seal and, and, and decide, do you know what, I've had enough, the money's irrelevant, it doesn't actually mean anything, because that's something I guess people come to a realization of. They could be pioneers and role models for a lot of other people in uh, in corporate settings or in any other settings, to be fair. It doesn't really just go down to corporates. But I guess it's another thing that you mentioned as well, it's having these discussions and giving those people a voice as well. Um, Because it's something I had a conversation with Aaron about a a long time ago. Uh, Because we're doing this channel and talking to all sorts of people, I never want to shy away from talking to anyone or ever thinking that the channel's ever going to get so big that we can't talk to certain people because they don't fit our criteria. We need to be giving everyone a voice because everyone's got reasons behind what it is they're doing and more people need
1: to... on that note, thank you for bringing me on the show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, this has been like, amazing. So I don't know, do you want to plug your, because you just said you've opened the business as well. Do you want to plug any links that you have and we can put them yeah. on the
1: description? Uh, so I, uh, in my podcast, right, I, it's uh, kind of a book on tape. So it's a series, right? And so you listen to it from the beginning to the end. And at the near the end, I'm still putting up interviews that I do, and I'm working on, you know, like another one right now. But I, on uh, my YouTube channel, I um realized that the psychological transformation is what is required. And, and I discovered that when you do Qi Gong, right, you can trick yourself into getting into a meditative state, right, without intending to do so. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, man. This is so cool because I actually felt the silence, you know, I heard the silence, right? And this is when you're connected to the whole thing, right? And uh, your sense of self disappears. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to show people how to do Qigong because that's um, a clear way to feel this, right? That's just one way to feel it. Um, Mushrooms is one way, right? But that's like a full jumpstart, you know, like with heavy power. Right. But with Qigong, it's actually just bathing your body in energy slowly, right? And then you get to this, when having a relationship with your body, right? You get to this point where you can hear the silence, right? And so I do all these videos on how to do Qigong, and I call it "Stand Together." It's just at Birch Driver on YouTube, but I was like, we stand together because the foundation of Qigong is this standing, where you stand in horse stance. And you straighten your spine and you hold your hands out like you're holding, you're hugging a tree, you know, and you change to the three positions. And that's the foundation of Qigong. Like if you only did that, that would be enough. Right. And so it's like a physical meditation. You're just standing there. Right. And you get up to 20 minutes and your legs are shaking and your arms are shaking, you know, when you first started. But by doing this breathing, uh, you can access this feeling where you're connected to everything. You know, and so I started doing that on YouTube. And so at Burst Driver on YouTube. And so if you go to the bottom of the videos, there's three cheat on instructional videos, the video list. And then if you just go, I would I was I'm going live periodically. I've been taking a break because I've been going through some shit, but periodically I go live where I basically just stand and you stand with me. Right. And then having created that space right, in our minds, I just start talking about stuff. So I have like 99 videos on there where I'm talking about all the things we're talking about here. Um, and then, so my podcast is greennight.green, right? And you can find it on any platform. So whatever, you know, you use to listen, you can search for greennight, all low, lowercase, all one word. And then that um, I discuss um, how we can, you know, if it's possible, right, to arrive at a solution. And then talking about all of these things, you know, in order to get a different perspective on everything that we think we already know, you know. Um, I used to listen to Alan Watts a long time ago and I hear everything he says. And uh, I listened to him the other day and I was like, oh my God, I hear it like I can see it so much more now. And he's talking about this polarity, right, which is how he's talking about Zen Buddhism and how a Zen teacher is always fucking with his students, you know? Um, And it's to teach them this thing. It's like one student asks, uh, Master, do you believe in God? And he says, well, if you do, then I don't. (laughs) He says, if you don't, then I do, right? And so he's illustrating this point about um, a human evaluation of things will create, opposite, right? Will immediately create an opposite, right? And and so and that's it, right? And so as you let go, right? Surrender your sense of self, then you are open to the totality. And so that's what I was getting at. But you can see me. I started this three years ago, and you can, I started with McLuhan because I wanted people to understand what technology is, what it does to us. You know, so Marshall McLuhan and Bucky Fuller, all my heroes, right? Uh, and uh, so I discussed that, and then I move forward talking about various things to arrive at this, uh, what we were discussing today, which is basically is that we've divided ourselves out from the natural rhythm, and it has a cyclic repeating pattern that has a limit, right? And so we're arriving at that limit. And so we can actually go at this point and um, uh, proliferate and move into the future in such an awesome way right? With all of our combined knowledge, right? Or, or, right, we can permit um, us to be slowly uh, put into a machine, you know, Uh, in which case, um, whatever it is that is like prodding us to do this behavior gets to become a God. (laughs) And so we don't want that. Right. It's either self-destruction or a uh, repeat cycle inside a, a machine, right? Repeat this loop in a simulated environment for all time and forever. Right? Is uh, is that what you see with
2: I'm gonna use Elon Musk as an example because of Neuralink. What neuralink the fact yeah, that it's yeah, yeah, it. I think
1: yeah, he's in the lifetime actor whose you know his job is to do that, right?
2: But he's obviously yeah, I, I I get he's an actor, but he's also the pioneer in speeding up the process of whoever it is that's controlling him, um, getting full reign and becoming the god that they want to be.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um and so everything that he does, right, this um purchasing of Twitter and all of that stuff is all part of the program.
0: <laughs> I mean you look at him, he's quite a polarizing character,
1: right? He's yeah.
0: more um
1: division but uh also look at his ideas though like for real right okay um it seems like he knows something that we don't know we'll just keep that in the beginning of what i'm about to say but okay um if we want to um uh, alleviate the difficulty that we're having do we build tunnels no (laughs) if we want to fix what's going on on earth do we go to mars fuck no right it's like, that's already abandoned, right? What does he know that we don't know? Um, do If we want to create zero emission energy, are batteries the thing? No, that's so fucking retarded, you know? <laughs> it's like uh, an electric supercar is not a solution. Batteries are not a solution. Batteries are fucking stupid as fuck, if you really think about it. Just turning mountains into fucking pits, right? Lithium, right? Um, and they have to be charged by nuclear or coal, <laughs> you know? and they don't—they don't last. And, and now you've got uh, nine hundred pounds of batteries, you know, that can't be disposed of. All of his ideas are dumb, stupid. <laughs> so how is it that he's where he's at, you know? And it's PayPal, right? It fucking made all that money, it made billions and billions of dollars. But it's like that's his one good idea.
2: But yeah, and then like Aaron was saying, he's also doing a neural link, which is just detaching people from themselves completely, because that's, if you've mentioned multiple times about technology today, what we've got and how problematic it is, he's saying, do you know what, let's get all of that and actually just infuse it into our bodies, that will just create full detachment from
1: self. Yeah, and it will remove this independent laboratory that each of us have, which is where we create value for others. And so if everyone's connected, nothing new, it stops innovation in its tracks because one mind doesn't get a chance to go off on its own. You know,
0: The day Neuralink gets rolled out, is that the day people stop becoming human?
1: Um, I think it's uh, definitely closer and closer. I, I would say that on, on this wheel of karma, every cycle we get closer to losing our souls right and we will just be on these you know flesh box walking around so Uh,
0: what happens to the people who opt out of the Neuralink and they decide to go on a more natural path
1: yeah we have to have that option available. So I'm not against technology, I'm just against that of the integration of becoming cyborgs, right? Because that will remove like the um, the unimind or the hive mind aspect is not our nature, right? And does it make sense when I say that if there's just one mind, then there's no possibility of anything uh, fresh coming into being. Because it's all available to everyone at the same time. <laughs> you know it's this individual it's this ability to have a separate right consciousness that permits um creation to occur. It would just totally stop creation. Everything would become stagnant, uh, um static, right, at its current level. And um yeah, we would stop being human for sure, you know, in the definition that we are creative creatures
2: yeah because you, you can kind of see it now anyway with um ai and chat gpt and everyone's already stopped thinking and just yeah asking the questions to the uh to the bot
1: so another guy that i really like is amit goswami and uh he is a phd physicist uh theoretical physicist and he's the spiritual physicist right and he's from i when i, I have a degree in physics and i read his book in When I was getting my degree and then I should have been studying for my finals but I was like I found his book next to the book I was trying to check out at the library and it's all the self-aware universe Amit Goswami PhD and uh, so I was like oh yes and and so but I rediscovered him later and what he says about AI is like it's very true right is that it can only reference the past right so and it does not have um this access to uh divine inspiration which is letting go of the past right to allow the new to enter we only have that ai can only reference the past and so it cannot take over it cannot replace us it does not have the ability to access source you know it will never be able to it can only take what's already been done right and modify it and so that is extremely limited but we can take ai right and use it as a tool (laughs) right we should all have our own fucking ai tool with us at all time that doesn't call home that only gets on the internet when you tell it to and it fucking is your personal assistant so all of the combined knowledge of humanity is at your fingertips right it's like oh how do i build a circuit this is how you do it you see it in your heads up display right fucking your guy told you (laughs) And so it's just it's a force multiplier for a hundred thousand times, right And so if we comprehend it that the the mediums that we create are an extension of us. They're us. they're ours and it's not a threat to us. It will be a threat, right if this entity that wants to become a God will um occupy this digital space and pretend like it's AI (laughs) you know AI is not a threat to us AI is not a threat to us and I get home so fucking hard Kurzweil, all these AI fucking specialists, they're all trying to make us afraid of it, right, all of these movies for all time, right it's for a purpose Um, and it doesn't have to be that way Uh, Not at all.
2: Yeah, it's true because, um, yeah, well, like what you're saying, in the past, um, before the internet was around, say you you had a problem with your car, you would um, have to probably read some, go and find a book to read to fix it. Uh, But then fast forward a bit, now you go on YouTube and you just type it in. It's got a little bit faster. And then fast forward even more, you've got AI, so boom, you can do that faster and then crack on with whatever it is that you. you wanted to be cracking on
1: with, yeah. And so, if we're you know a, a genius comes, we're all a fucking have the ability to be genius, right? But genius can come from anywhere, right? Um <clears throat> From any portion of the world, from any population, you know, it can come from anywhere. And so, and that's the idea, right? Is to um, allow that to come out allow um our genius to uh to proliferate and flourish um yeah but so yeah so i think um it's possible right it's uh it's very possible for us to uh make this turnaround you know and who knows right um what will happen but um, not being afraid. So the Green Knight, it, I don't know if you guys want to have me on in a in later date to talk about the legend of the Green Knight with the Green Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Are you guys familiar with that myth?
0: No, but that would be cool to have you on again to talk about that.
1: Yeah. And so Tolkien wrote a book about it. Everyone's young. Everyone's talked about this myth, you know, and it is... Uh, the reason I named my podcast that is because it teaches what we're talking about. That story teaches this. And it's, um, I don't want to give it away for you guys, but uh, I mean, you can watch these different green night movies. A recent one just came out. I haven't watched it yet, but um, uh, is that Gawain, right. He um, in the end, right. When he is able to meet death without flinching, That's when he is awakened. And so being afraid of that makes you uh, allowing your um, surrendering, right? Your life is really realizing that you don't exist, right? And so, what is there to be afraid of? You know, and so in that moment, Gawain becomes awakened when he is able to meet certain death without flinching.
2: Because yeah, was something that I read or listened to, it was this week or last week, um, about the Egyptians on how they used to say, or one one of the I think it was Egyptians, but one of the old cultures was death is probably the best thing, the best achievement anyone could ever accomplish of the life is dying.
1: Yeah, um, Bukowski says something. He was like, if you are chosen, if it chooses you, then you will do it, right, until you die, <laughs> right? And so if you are an artist and your art chooses you, that you will be compelled to do this, right, until you die. And that's a gift. <laughs> Yeah,
2: no, I would uh, absolutely love to have you on again. I think the conversation we've had today has been mind-blowing, but it's been quite, I don't know what the it's, word is. i really...
0: Opened my mind massively and um, just made me look at everything with a completely different, from a completely different perspective. I, I really, it. really enjoyed it.
1: And so once you get that perspective, you can't, go back
0: yeah that's how i feel now Like am not going to to look at anything the same again yeah which is a good thing because that's the whole point of the journey that we're on is to open our minds and try and understand things from a different perspective
1: yeah so i mean so if anyone is out there like um who is listening to this and wants and has like you know has kind of killed it in their life, like meaning in the standard model sense, like they have a lot of resources and they wanna do something that's meaningful, right? Then, hello, (laughs) this is meaningful, right? This is how you do it. All charity is perpetuation of the system. I would say 99.9% rich people give back, but it just perpetuates the, the status quo, right? And it's just like recycling. I've said this from day one with recycling, is that it is uh, how hipsters get into heaven, right? But it doesn't do a goddamn thing, right? And it just allows us to think we're doing our part, you know?
2: Yeah, (laughs) that's such a funny quote about hipsters' (laughs) games.
1: But uh, so, yeah, so it's like, if we can come together, right? So we build this network, right? First, we build an interface that shows how we're connected to all of ourselves, right? Right? We build a fractal interface that shows the human network all in one thing, right? So we become what we behold, right? And in this interface, we are able to exchange with others and everyone comes in and it is the sacred exchange. This is what we're built to do. So if we want to do something that has an impact, right, on our future, right, we do it collectively and we do it for each other right and we recognize that we're all unicorns right we are individuals right but our we can only exist in relation to others right in relationship with others and that all of us have these gifts right we're born with these unique gifts and it's all different every single one of us right but all of these gifts when they come into actualization make other people's lives better right so this is our mode of operation. This is what we do. This is our nature. Our nature is to do this, right? This is what we're made to do. And so it's, we just offer ourselves the place, the location, right? In order for this to happen, right? Which is the exchange, right? We recognize that we exchange in order to live, that we don't live as an individual in a vacuum, right? We can't live without providing value to others and vice versa. And so it's very possible, right? It's very, very, very possible. All we have to do is um, plant this seed of the network, right? And the value will attract. So, uh, right? If all y'all are on board, right? Um, And I'm not saying you're on board with my idea. This is just something that I've been able to see and point out, right? I want to be able to live a fulfilled life. This is what my fucking gifts have allowed me to do. Right? This is what I'm passionate about, which is this um, uh, seeing of the truths that cannot be proven. right? <laughs> and so, yeah, I just wanted to end it on that. It's like that it's possible, you guys. It is so fucking possible. But anything we do to try to patch this sinking ship is just more on the sinking vessel right we have to get rid of it but we need a network in order to land on to land on when we all jump ship and so that's what i say is that we play like we're playing hearts and we're going to shoot the moon we all know we have all the fucking cards right we're going to take all the suits but we keep that a secret right (laughs) until we all fucking are going to take all the hearts, right? We're going to take all the suits, we're going to shoot the moon, right? (laughs) We keep it a secret and then we shoot the fucking moon and there's nothing they can do about it. Nothing they can do. Because I don't know if you've ever played hearts, but once you uh, reach a certain threshold and you're shooting the moon, no one can stop you. You're going to take all those tricks no matter what. No one can stop you. you Yeah.
2: No, this is bloody, this is important and Thank, well, first of all, thank you for coming on. And, yeah. uh, we definitely will want you back on again because I've got a lot to process from this conversation. It, oh, shit tons of process, actually. Yeah. And I need to process it because I've got some questions that I want to ask you, but I don't want to ask them you until I fully process what the hell's just happened today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it's going to take me a good few days to sort of process everything. Yeah. I'll have to give yeah. this another watch as well.
1: Sure. Yeah, and I love that. I love that because I know that you will come to the nuggets that are important right? when you're processing this. And these are the nuggets that need to be ground down,
4: you know. And what you've done
2: is great because you've shared this with us two who we have conversations with people regularly. So once we've processed this, we'll be able to pass these nuggets on to the next person and yeah. hopefully that will just keep going and going and going. And then we can start the more people have these discussions. We talked about it in the chat. And the more people have these discussions, it's a snowball effects. And before you know it, we're, we're we're heading somewhere, right?
1: Yeah, and then we reach the threshold of the hundredth monkey. Have you heard of the hundredth monkey effect? Yep. So in Japan, the researchers were studying the macaques.
3: Oh, oh yeah.
1: Yeah, right. And just to cut it real short, it's like one of them figured out something to do with their food, they were going to wash their food, right? And uh, then everyone else starts noticing it but the species of monkeys lives on a a group of islands right same species but they're separate right and they don't interact right there's no direct interaction but once a hundred monkeys started doing this new thing the whole species started doing it Mm -hmm. I think
0: Mark (laughs) Steves told us the same same story yeah it it was Mark Mark (laughs) Steves yeah (laughs)
1: And, and so um rupert sheldrake another good really good guy right good researcher he talks about morphic resonance right and, and it's a good way to describe it so i would look into rupert sheldrake and his band ted talk
2: oh okay okay i love it if it's banned then yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, they banned him at TED, and I was like, oh, if TED's banning him, this shit is the, r- the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've
0: certified it's, uh, it's real by <laughs> <I> banning him.
2: <laughs> no, thank you so much for coming on. We'll wrap it up there. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah you're there. welcome
1: so much, and I really appreciate it and uh, uh, so grateful.
2: Thank
1: you. Thank